Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. Incredibly poignant, emotional scenes at the O2 moments ago. We're recording right after Roger Federer's final career match as a professional in the loneliest sport in the world that is tennis. Roger said that uh, he just didn't want his retirement to feel lonely and scary. And what does he do? He spends, you know, the final hours of his career alongside Rafa Nadal with his teammates, including Novak, Andy Murray, and others watching from his bench. Uh, Borg, obviously, the captain, 20,000 fans in the O2, his mother and father sitting courtside behind him on the baseline. And he said afterwards it was perfect and that he couldn't be happier. We've talked about how Roger's going to retire. We've kind of discussed it. And the one thing that we settled on was whatever he does, it's going to work. And I feel like this worked, Amy. It did work. It was classy. It was about more than him. It was about his relationship with Nadal and his place within this triumvirate, which is the big three. But it was also about us and how we feel about him. And some of us will have wanted them to go out on a win or him to go out on a win. But if we really step back and think about it, his career was not about doubles. So his career was really about his relationship with tennis and his relationship with the fans and his relationship with the people around him, including his fellow competitors. So I agree that it was a wonderful way for him to retire. So good, the whole team environment, the whole with his mates. I mean, you saw at the end of the match how emotional Rafa was. I think that struck me most of all, that he was realizing, wow, you made me better. You made me a better player and a person and discovered things. And there's so much the essence of the best parts of competition at Roger. Maybe that's why he finally opted to go to retire through this team event. And there's Novak and there's Ruffin, like you said, Gil, some of the some of the other, the younger ones. And, and then you've got Borg and John McEnroe and Rod Laver and later Jim Courier and just this whole, the whole tapestry and mosaic of the game the whole carnival ride and you see how Federer, you're right, you're so right, Amy, about his, uh, his relationship to all of us, his sense of inclusion in what the game is. Thank you all for joining me in this. I'm, I'm glad I could play well enough to keep, to keep doing it, but it's just so, uh, so powerful. Yeah, he said it was a perfect journey. He would do it all over again. Another thing is he created this, this whole Labor Cup thing. It, it is uh, a child of himself, Tony Godsick, teammate, and uh, that's another thing that kind of struck me about this 
being the end, you know, Labor Cup being the end. I, I don't know that the fact that it was a loss is really going to register with me. Oh, I don't think it matters. I don't think, I mean, he said he couldn't be happier. I, I think yeah. loss, a win, and like you said, even so it's doubles, and that's that's nice too, and that's kind of has this, it's kind of funny. It's like better, he's like, like a lot of people as they get older, they play a lot more doubles, and there he uh -huh. is. He's old and he's, he's playing doubles and, and that's okay. And he's joining forces with his, with his truly great narrative rival through his career. And I don't know, it's very, uh, it's very engaging and it's very nice. And I thought also throughout the day, the match started about, uh, about two o'clock Pacific where, where we, you and I live, Gil, I think around then, 1.32. And uh, I was talking with various friends throughout the day and we, they were all gearing up to watch. I said, so where are we going to? Is this like a, a wedding or a it's not a wedding it's not a funeral we're, we're all attending we're all going to be collectively attending something at this certain time and partake of it and it's going to end it's going to start and it's going to finish and, but and it's not exactly an exhibition and it's not a, a slam semi i don't know it's, it's very a neat communal feel to it all didn't it Friends yeah it really did and and i had a interesting experience my son has a new friend, um, his name is Andrew, and I, I've only met the kid once, but we had invited him over to come over and play with my son. And I didn't really know a lot about him. And he walks in the room while I'm, it's like, the, it's one apiece in the first set. So the match had really just started. And the kid walks in and says, um, the reason Rafa just missed that volley right there was he was in slightly Eastern grip and he should have been in continental. And I was like, Ooh, we have a tennis fan here. And then the boys pretty much watched the rest of the match with me. They went out to play soccer for a bit, but then they came back in and watched the end. And they were so engaged by it all. And they were watching Roger get emotional at the end. And they really connected with that. And they were watching Rafa. And I realized like tennis is going to be okay because this is the youth. And, and they're really like, taken in by tennis and, and engaged by the match. And um, so it was kind of like, you know, almost like a Lion King moment, the circle of life. Um, so it, it's good, it's, it's a good feeling. And I really like that Roger um, has emphasized that he's going to remain involved in the sport. Right, and of yeah. course we're gonna see, and it's gonna take a, some creative twist that it's going to look familiar and different because it's going to be Roger. And as far as the, the youngster who you saw watching the game, I think one of the great things of the Federal legacy is he helped raise the profile and appreciative tennis through tennis, not, you know, just through the game itself. Like, wow. So this is how this sport can be played. And I'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I, I was talking with some teacher friends of mine about, the Federer legacy that way. And I've said to many people, they said, oh, he's such a genius. He's so brilliant. I said, yeah, but you know, I, I can hit a slice backhand and a topspin backhand in the same rally. And so can you, and you can think about that. And it's just be interesting to see how his, what his legacy is tennis wise. And I like that. So he had a, a guest who was determining grips, a volley grips. Yeah, I mean, so into tennis, which is very reassuring to me. Yeah, you don't know see too many uh, teenagers who know about the continental grip. <laughs> it was a wild occasion. Was it the biggest doubles match of all time in terms of interest? Has 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 the doubles match ever captivated the tennis world like that, Joel? 
Uh, you know, that nothing quite that kind of way. I mean, I'm going to, you know, you look at doubles matches that have been played in front of 25,000 people. And what do you want me to go back to like the 1954 Davis Cup in White City in Australia? I mean, you know, it's like, but, but that we knew it was going to happen in a way it was going to be fine, whatever happened one way or another. So that was kind of neat. I don't think a doubles match has ever captured the imagination quite this way, but there have been ones. I mean, no, Navratilova, who was commenting on the match for the tennis channel, her last match was a doubles match at the U.S. Open that she wins the mixed in 06 with Bob Bryan. So, but just, I think, I think it was the accrued power of Roger Federer and the years and years. I mean, so, so popular. This is once the most second most respected man in the world behind Nelson Mandela. I mean, think about that. So the whole global lure and pull of Roger Federer, like nothing tennis has ever seen. In terms of the tennis itself, I was uh, really heartened by what I saw from Roger. And it's not as if it's about him winning the, you know, the doubles match with Rafa. That's not what it was about. It was just about, is he okay? Are we going to see him play, you know, exhibition tennis like we all hope he will at a at a decent level is he going to be able to ski with his children uh which is something that he's talked about like is roger okay and i watched it and my takeaway was oh yeah yeah he is he's gonna be good was that Absolutely. your takeaway I, I was shocked i was beyond shocked because i had watched the practice video from the day before and i was watching the switches and stuff and i'm like He's not moving well. He's not running, you know, well. Um, so I didn't know what was going to happen. And then he comes out and he's moving well. And I didn't see any sort of hitchiness. Now, there were some observers that I was following along on Twitter that, you know, took out their magnifying glass and said, you know, he's not loading at the same 45 degree angle or 43 degree angle or whatever. Yep. And there was toward the end of the match, there was an out wide ball that he didn't have his slalom, classic slalom footwork or whatever. Um, and then when he was crouching down in the eye formations, they showed a tight shot of him and he had a wince on his face. Like this is not comfortable to be in a crouch like this. Other than that, he served really well for a guy who hasn't played competitive tennis in a long time. And I thought his forehand looked pretty doggone good. There were a few winners. And um, I thought for the most part, he was able to do with it what he wanted to do with it. So I was like, what? Come on, Roger. No, keep playing. Yeah, and it's sometimes harder to come back to play doubles and singles. At least singles, you're touching the ball in every shot and point and, and you're moving and you're running and doubles, you know, he got to work with a partner and that whole nerve wracking thing when your partner is serving and where you're supposed to go and move and, and not that he and Rafa played together often at all. So that, but he looks, I think, looks like he's going to ski with his kids. Guy, You can only imagine his form skiing without an opponent. And he just gets to go by himself without someone, you know, throwing snow at him. <laughs> I mean, I think he's, that's going to be fine. It was neat to see his family there. Um, as far as the future tennis goes, I guess we'll have to see, right? I mean, I think, I, I, don't, I don't suspect he's going on an exhibition tour in six months. I think that's a ways away. And, and you know, and we know it's gonna be created with some, some twist, whether it's a philanthropy, charity, a different twist with other players, some doubles, next gen, something 
some plot twist that we haven't quite thought of, you know, another, a different sidekick, another team, you know, just it's going to take a format in the me and it's going to it's going to probably pack a tidy 75,000 people. Yeah, I, I I'm I can't wait for kind of what uh, what they come up with. I'm pretty kind. Yeah, maybe not six months, but a year, year and a half. I, I think it'll happen um, again. I was just really encouraged by this. I saw kind of what you know, what Amy was talking about that Rogers level in doubles uh, where, you know, obviously the violent changes of direction and the movement uh, that are required in singles is is not really at the same level, but uh, he looked great and he outplayed his partner, right? I mean, Rafa struggled to handle the moment, I thought. And I, I mean, it's tough. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not really critiquing. I think uh, it's understandable, but, uh, you know, he didn't want to let down Roger. He wanted to send him out with a win. He did not have his doubles legs under him. You know, he talked about that at one of the changeovers that his reflexes were so slow. He couldn't make a reflex volley in the first set. Um, yeah, I thought Roger was the better player on the court. Well, Roger's got, we've known this all along, more the, some of the more natural kinds of double skills with his more game. Nadal's a great doubles player too. But again, I, I, I can't remember the last time Nadal played a doubles match and he kind of spoke to that too. And then as opponents, let's just say it was somewhat, you know, you got two very slashing dynamic opponents. You've got Sock, who's been fantastic at doubles for several years and can do all sorts of damage with the forehand and has some very interesting uh, touch and fine motor skills, you know, a certain kind of special doubles agility. And you've got the, the improved fresh off the US Open TFO who, who beat Nadal in New York. So he's feeling pretty good about his tennis and it's indoors and let's, let's take a few cracks. So, and you saw some of the shots that the, that the team world guys hit that they came up with that were impressive. You know, they, they could have been intimidated. They could have been intimidated by it too. They were probably at the beginning. You know, I'm going to harken back to something I said in a couple podcasts ago about Rafa. He's going through something related to belief because this is the second time that I've heard him talk about reflexes before he made reference to it coming out of the US Open. These are young guys with the reflexes. and I'm not that young guy anymore. Um, Rafa, you're so much, you know, like it, it, tennis is much more about than about reflexes. But what this really speaks to is the changes that Nadal is going through in his life and a belief that he has right now. And he may be at a low ebb in his belief in himself. That doesn't mean he can't get it back. He certainly can. We all ebb and, and flow in our beliefs. Um, but I would like to see Rafa kind of get his head right going into next year. Um, but uh, as to Tiafo and Sock, um, it's funny because I had like my fan experience and like Martina said so poignantly on the, on the telecast, what we were all thinking. I, she said, I don't know who to root for. Like, I, I want the, the match to last longer, but I want Roger and Rafa to win but I'm an American and I like the Americans. And I mean, I, we were all going through those emotions. I was not crazy about Foe hitting Roger at close range with a 90 mile an hour forehand as a fan. But 
if I go up here and I kind of look at everything as a journalist, um, I know that it was very important that Sock and Tiafo compete um, and, and give it everything that they had in order to honor Federer. So um, that they did, they competed very well. Well, as a fan and then as a journalist, but as a player, it's business. And Roger acknowledged it instantly. And it was yeah. no, it was, it was part of the game. You know, it's like a friend of mine sent me a text. I was like a, a bean ball in baseball. I said, a little less dangerous. You know what I mean? It's a tennis ball. And it was all part of, part of what goes on in the game. And uh, it happens. And uh, as far as Nadal and his ebb, I think that's interesting. I think he's seeing Federer as an awareness of Nadal. It's like, whoa, my elder is gone. I guess I'm, I'm the older guy now. I'm, I'm, yeah. the, I'm the oldest one in the field. Yeah. And the, and the legacy and, and the passage of time and, and his admiration for Roger. Um, yeah, I think Nadal, the indoor doubles against people like Tiafo and Sock isn't going to aid Rafa's quest to regain confidence. You know, what, what aids Rafa? Outdoor matches, two and a half hours. You know, like, can I play Schwarzman, please? Can I play Schwarzman for two hours? That's going to really get me in the in the Rafa match mode. So, so this was kind of a, a a different kind of environment. That said, it was still fun. Like I saw just some of the camera angles when Nadal or Federer was serving, and the other one was at the net, and they're they're paired on the same side. I mean, that was very that was very powerful, and I think that spoke to kind of the whole uh, the whole connection competitors can have if they let themselves be in that space. Well, let's also let. Let, let, let's acknowledge we didn't we didn't even know that Rafa. I mean, the first time I thought that Rafa was going to play Labor Cup was when Federer announced it as his last event, and then I thought, okay, that seals it. Rafa needs to go and and play it. Rafa needs to be there. Um, you know, he would never. I don't think he would ever miss this for for anything. Uh, you saw Alexander Zverev in the crowd who's injured and can't even play. And, and he wanted to bear witness to it. So uh, I think Rafa's in a position where uh, he's not going to be able to play his best tennis regardless. But uh, I also thought of the four players on the court, he was feeling the pressure more than anyone else. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. Make sure things work well for Roger. Make sure he played well with good doubles. Um, all of that. No question. What did we think of uh, Novak? on the on the side there i thought he looked very very nervous introducing coco golf's signature shoe more than just a tennis shoe it's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court the multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out the coco cg1 empowers you to dominate the game learn more and purchase the coco cg1 at newbalance.com Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I really enjoyed having Novak there throughout this whole thing. He was almost a reassuring presence for me. 
Um, I re I watched the whole day. So I got to see the Murray match and Novak coaching Andy through that, which was great television, great. Um, if you're a nerd or a, a wonky tennis person, um, to hear Novak go over strategy and what he had sort of accumulated in terms of stats and to understand that, oh, this is what goes inside, goes on inside Novak's mind. He, he really is a strategy guy. Um, just fabulous, fabulous. And, and in terms of um, this match, I thought Novak really started to have a long face toward the end of the match when he realized, I mean, he was like one of us when he realized that they may not win this match and, oh, it's, it's almost over. And, you know, I don't really want it to be over. Um, so I, I just, I found his presence there very relatable and very comforting. You know, and also since these guys don't play as much doubles, there couldn't be as much coaching tactically. It was more going to be emotional and supportive. And again, to see Novak, who we haven't seen in a while, and uh, and his awareness. And this thing is like a, um, I've talked about the fantasy camp I go to at John McCombs. It's like a world-class version of a fantasy camp. <laughs> now you're Murray and you're being coached by Novak, right? Yeah. So you've got these guys. I mean, you look at that bench and you see each of them. you got Murray and, and then you got Berrettini and here's Roger. And then Roger's walking over in the change room to his guys you know making these comments and and it's just uh you know there was that little incident where roger hit the ball through the through the side of the net post and he's chatting with McEnroe about it and they're clarifying things and roger no we don't have video here you know he knew that right away <laughs> great just great i i enjoyed seeing novak there and it'll be interesting to see as the weekend plays out the role novak plays in in this event i mean he's he's fresh he's fresh right novak yeah, it'll it'll be good to see him just play again. We it mm -hmm. feels feels like it's been a very long time, um, and it has been since Wimbledon. Am I forgetting something? No, I since, <laughs> that's a it. long time. Wow, Novak. Yeah, not since Wimbledon. That's yeah. right. It's crazy. Um, he's gonna. Well, okay, we're gonna let's not get into that for this show. We'll talk about Novak season and how crazy it's been um, as a whole. Because I was just thinking about it the other day, like zooming out on how bizarre it's been. Yeah, um, and he's going to play in Tel Aviv, right? right? Yep. So that's kind of cool and different and exciting. So yep. that gives us something to look forward to. Yeah, he definitely, you know, played that head coach role during the the Murray match. And by the way, Murray is also one of those guys who is like, give me a three-page scouting report. Like a lot of coaches will talk about, okay, you got to know your player. Some players, they want maybe one, two things to focus on. You give them two more, it's overload. Uh, Andy is like, I want an essay, all the information you can. And I, I think Novak's the same way. So I think they have a, a good uh, relationship uh, when it comes to that kind of player coach uh, dynamic. And then you definitely saw Novak, I think, while Federer and Rafa were playing doubles, was a little bit more in his feelings, soaking it up. He filmed them walking out because he apparently wants that on his phone. So he's just like us in, in that way, right? Yeah, that's interesting. And I like your part about the scouting. It's also interesting when the players came to the bench, like the hierarchy, it's just like a college team or, or some league team. Okay, who am I going to listen to? Here's Novak. You know, okay, thanks, Mateo. You know, it's like, these are all great players. These are all uh, super, super players. You know, Rude just happened to be in the U.S. Open final, and he's 
but he's he's kind of the new guy on the team and and it's just interesting how they all fell in line that way yeah absolutely uh that that viral miss for fetter when he hit the ball through the corner of the net um it it felt so like of course that happens in a in a fetter match right because like i've never seen that before and it was a miss but it was the most unique miss you've ever seen in your life i mean what did you think of that amy I thought, like, I was reminded of the old phrase, it's about baseball. Every time you come to the baseball park, you see something you've never seen before. It's that way in tennis, too, mostly. Um, but in a Federer match, it's, it's almost guaranteed. And it's kind of like the level of entertainment and interesting things that he brought um, also came through in this match. Let's talk about the things Laver Cup does um, as an event, um, because you know it, it is a, a brainchild of of Federer and um, and his agent Tony Godsick and and some others at Team Eight. Um, I think there it does so many things that tennis, you know, the regular tour can learn from. Uh, n not not all of it, you know, I like, but the fact that. You get access, you know, the fact that you see Federer getting his calf massage, talking to Rafa uh, before the match in the training room, the fact that when they come out on the court, there's pageantry, there's a smoke machine, there's lighting, there's an announcer, um, that you see players interacting and the viral kind of aspect that kind of comes from just you get these players together, you let them be human beings together, and suddenly you have content and you have a connection between them and the fans. How do we get more of what Laver Cup does on the regular tour, or, or is it impossible? I'll tell you one thing I learned that's interesting. Whenever players come from a team event, and I've seen this in World Team Tennis, Haven Cup, they always say how much they enjoy the team part. And I've asked players, do you like it because it's unique? You know, it's kind of this outlier a few times a year, and so therefore you, it's kind of special. Or do you like it because you think this is how tennis ought to be? And it's more because it's unique. So when you want to slice and dice what from Labor Cup can be brought to the rest of tennis, I guess you got to think about that. I mean, I think this access part is neat. I think the players talking to other players is kind of interesting, but that's rare. So I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure about that. It might just be, it might be quite sui generis. I know what else, of course, it's quite sui generis. That's like very, very good. But nonetheless, I don't know. I, I don't know what else. I think maybe it's the access and also the fact that the Labor Cup, I know it's an event. I know there are points sort of, but it's, no one's going to look back at a player and say he never won the Labor Cup. So it's a little bit reminds of what I think of the Olympics sometimes. In the moment, it's very emotional and meaningful. And then it's okay not to have done as well at it. So I, I'm not quite sure what can be, I don't know. What do you guys think could be could be carried from it to the well, rest? Let, let's just pause, Joel. I want to give you a chance to, to amend something. It's less important than the Olympics, right? You acknowledge that? Yes. It's okay. less important than the Olympics. Okay, go on, go on. But it reminds, but it's, it's more <laughs> of a sibling of the Olympics than it is a sibling of uh, a Masters 1000. Okay. Or Davis Cup or, or Billie Jean King Cup. I don't know. Okay, I'll, okay, I'll throw something out. Let's just think not about... Okay, let's. Where's where's the um, where's the Navratilova Cup? Where's the where's the Navratilova Cup 
with this or a woman's thing like this? No, 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 no. Um, well, let me first answer your question, oh, Gil, because no, it's no, a no. good one. It's a good one before we branch off into women and other talk. Um, what is good about this that could be brought to the rest of tennis? That was your original question. Yeah. First of all, everything is what, what is the short answer is you can spend money because that's what they've done here. Um, they've gone first class all the way with everything from the colors of the court, the way that it pops on TV, um, the things you don't even notice, um, the miking of the coaches and the players. And that isn't specific to a team event. You can also have some miking and some good audio quality um, in non-team events. Um, but I, I just like little things like there's a replay after almost every point and the directing is so good both for tv and in the arena because i've been to one of these labor cups what they do is the point happens and then you get a series of reaction shots on the big screen or on tv faces emotion and then they go right to a replay of the best part of that last point so that dead time that we have in tennis between points is filled up with emotion, hero shots, and then a replay of, of the great thing that you just saw. It's really first class directing. So um, this can be brought to bear in the rest of tennis. I don't care if it's a 250 or a grand slam. And you can tell that the players are really relaxed and, and in a good mood because they're being taken care of. Um, their needs are being taken care of. That's something that you can bring to the rest of the tour. So that was the answer to your question. Now, if, if we want to talk about including women in Labor Cup, that's a separate deal. But I think they're relaxed. I agree that they're relaxed because they're taken care of. I also relaxed because they're in a very comfortable format. In certain ways, it's a little bit more like the year-end finals. It's got this all-star game you know, we've made it, it's us 612, you know, it's a finite group. There's no, there's nobody coming in who's ranked 127 who you never heard of who serves 140 miles an hour. You know, it's kind of got a nice, and, and, and again, the stakes, the stakes are not what they are at, at other tournaments. You know, nothing's gonna hit, yep. nothing's gonna hit your ranking. So, so your relaxation start to finish is a different thing too. But yep. the, about the money, I love, I love the, the, the presentation aspect, right? It's like, let's, Let's see how we present the sport, the points themselves, not necessarily the music and the smoke, which is, does happen at the U.S. Open, doesn't happen at Wimbledon. They each work in their own way, and that's all right. So I don't know. Very interesting. Yeah, the production, and I'm, you know, in in this industry, I'm a nerd about this stuff. It is higher class than than you really see in tennis, and they definitely, you know, one area where you can see that they spend money is in the talent. Um, you know, they, mm -hmm. it's Jim Courier is expensive. Jason Goodall is expensive. Like they mm -hmm. have these and other networks, right? Eurosport, tennis channel, Amazon, uh, they all, you know, use these people as talent, but guess what? They're all at labor cup doing the world feed for labor cup because, uh, clearly they want the best. Um, so yeah, not just they're expensive. I don't mean to just make it that they're also the best. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I agree. There's an investment in the production. They understand how important that is. Uh, ultimately though, this is like the Netflix documentary in real time, like just tearing down the walls, 
having, you know, getting a little bit more personality out of the players as a result of what we see at the change events, what we see on social media, you know, beforehand, then they're all in suits, they're doing photo shoots, they're interacting. Uh, you know, we'll get that with the Netflix documentary at the end of the year. This is just, we're getting it immediately. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, it's the tearing down of the barriers and it's the, the providing of access. Well, so you know who can learn from this is particularly since there's, I just saw this increase in prize money. If I run a challenger event, I steal a lot of this stuff, not the team thing, but the access. And I say to the players, you're playing my challenger event. This is what it's got. We got 20 cameras here and this is how it's go. And even if I'm streaming the matches and they're not on a TV network, we're gonna create this immersive thing. It's kind of like one of the reasons why in America people enjoy attending minor league baseball because they can be in on it more. Yeah. And so how do we do that with tennis? So if I'm running a challenger, I'm saying, hey, look what Roger Federer did with the Labor Cup. That's what's going on in my challenger. And there are going to be cameras and you're going to do interviews and you're going to do other elements that are kind of more access friendly. So if you're not going to be talking to Borg on a bench, maybe you're going to be doing more stuff with the fans after your match that we're going to shoot and we're going to see you and we're going to learn who you are, Mr. Mr. 170. Mr. 170, you're going to, we're going to make sure you're known for our production of our tournaments. And we'll get, and then like for this money, we've talked about this before, you brought it up, baby, amenities, right? And, and accommodation. Yeah. <laughs> I so, didn't bring it up. Who was it? Was it uh, Novak and Bashik Pospisil? They're the ones that brought it up. I just circled it. <laughs> so we're going to have coaching at the challenges and we're going to mic up that coach and we're going to let, and people are going to know who that coach is. And we're going to have conversations. So we're going to know who these guys are more. And yeah. challengers 250s, I mean, these are the tournaments that exist on the edge. They're the ones who can learn from this. I agree. Uh, so for Federer stuff, you know, things I'd, I'd like to get into in the next couple of weeks, you know, what's next for him post-playing. Uh, we got to talk about that. Uh, we got to talk about kind of his influence. This is something that we didn't, um, th this will be continuous, I think, ongoing, but how, how, what is his legacy and, you know, what is the mark that you can see apparent in today's game? that we're watching right now, how did Federer kind of influence that? And uh, I'm sure Joel and Amy, you have topics in, in, in your mind that, that you'll wanna be getting to in the next couple of weeks. But is there anything on, um, is there anything on today, tonight, uh, that what we witnessed at the Labor Cup that we didn't get to that, that you think we should uh, discuss? I think a big thing is just Roger, you could see in his tears how much he just, enjoyed being around tennis. And that's something so many people, no matter what level they can learn from. You know, he, this guy was always going downstream. He was sure you could just see he's happy to be walking into practice. And this is part of it too. And his case, of course, though not for other people at these tournaments, doing all sorts of interviews and interactions and just letting it be part of the whole gestalt and not thinking, well, once I get my part, once I park my car, now I can practice. And once I practice, now I can get to my match. Just this presence to him. He has presence in both ways. The, the, his, his regal presence, his being in the presence, he's just taking it in and so enjoying the tennis experience. I think it's almost a given that he will eventually captain Labor Cup, um, maybe next year or maybe as soon as next year. Um, and then that might make a, a nice time to sort of um, bring in 
Delpo or Andy Roddick as a new coach for uh, team world, because I think they're going to need some new devices with Roger not being there anymore. And so he could be involved in that way. Um, you know, we need a commissioner. Tennis needs a commissioner. Um, he's got such great relationships with these conglomerate sponsors and and you know he's proven that he can do that um there are so many things within tennis that could use his help and his touch that i'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do next um maybe even coach who knows well it'll take a creative twist i think i think the labor cup leadership and presence because it'll be interesting how this event changes he's it's not probably not gonna play singles in it ever again he may who knows, he might surprise us at some point down the road and play doubles, maybe, because you can play doubles probably in this till you're about 50. I mean, I think a, a, a doubles match, perhaps. Um, the, the commissioner talk is a, is a you know, I, I, I'm, I'm- It's a pipe dream. Well, I don't, I think it's a, I think a, 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 at least a pipe dream. I it's mean- a, It's it's another episode though. We're gonna get into episode. a better yeah. post-playing yeah. post career. But with better, Again, I think what he's going to, it's going to take some, some twist to it. Yeah. And I think coaching, who knows, maybe it's a, an academy for 14 and unders that he puts money into and he staffs and he kind of has some presence in, because I think actually, here's one of the things I think about the federal legacy is the building of the game, the building of a playing style, the embracing of the game. And we talk about player development, that stuff occurs between the ages of 10 and 15. It's kind of like the Battle of Waterloo is won on the playing fields of Eton. And the Battle of, play, of Federer's great style was birthed in his embracing of so many ways of playing tennis. And so many, it's his appreciation for so many ways of experimenting. And granted, he was coordinated and he had some talent and, and worked on it. But that's kind of a certain lesson. You know, because some of the things he does, it's not going to happen that Thomas Burdick was going to start becoming, hitting the, running the saber when he was 26 years old and number five in the world. So the development part, it'll be interesting to see how Federer gets involved in forms of player development or whatever, all sorts of things. It's exciting. I thought it uh, tonight was uh, really great, pretty perfect. Um, Roger seemed super happy and it was as poetic and finely tuned as so many aspects of his career have been. So, uh, on behalf of all of us, thank you, Roger, for what you've given us in terms of uh, talking the sport, watching the sport, enjoying the sport, engaging in the sport, the smiles, the, oh my God, what a shots over the years, the what a match over the years. It's all been uh, incredible. And uh, again, we're gonna, we're definitely gonna milk it throughout the rest of 2022 on the Federer topics, because there's a lot to talk about and there's a lot to reflect on. That'll do it for this episode of three. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. We appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review on Apple. And if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. We will see you next time on the next episode of three.